And as they are all gathering up and heading out, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Center ourselves for the message this morning. Gracious God, listen to our hearts this morning. You know us better than anyone. Whatever it is that we're going through, whatever piece of these words that we need to hear about prayer, let them speak solely to us. Let them speak beyond just the words that I say, but the words you would have us to hear. In Jesus Christ's name, we ask for those kind of words through the power of the Holy Spirit and the people of God said together, Amen. So this week, we are beginning a new journey. For some of us, it's a journey on a path that's well-worn and walked by you. For others of us, it's a path covered with weeds and vines and things that trip us up so we don't go down the path very often or for very long. What is this journey? It's the journey of prayer. And it is a journey. And our guide's going to be Max Licato. Because as I was planning all this during the summer, I received an email about this book called Pocket Prayers. And when I saw the email and I was thinking about things, I was like, wow, wouldn't it be great to talk about prayer? Then at the same time, as I started looking around, then I saw this, this book, Pocket Prayers for Teachers. I thought, wow, wouldn't this be great to go ahead and get these for all the teachers, not only here, but also, especially in Little Lambs, to get them ready for the assessment that I knew was coming up back in the summer in September and personalize them, actually. I couldn't personalize the ones in here because I didn't know who was going to be receiving them necessarily. But over there, everybody received a book that was written directly to them. And I had a chance to give them out last Wednesday. And it was a neat, really neat experience to put something into their hands to say, hey, not just we're praying for you during assessment, but here's something that can really help and might help them beyond. And then finally, then after I looked at all of those things, I began to dig deeper and I actually found the book. This is actually done as a study here by uh, Shelley and a small group of people, but I had not read that back then uh, at all, so it was new to me. At the same time, Stephanie wanted to spend the first sessions of kids, kids in discipleship, on prayer. So we started seeing our goals aligning with each other so that right now your kids are learning about prayer. And then it all started coming together. Now I've always liked Max Licato or Lax Licato as you want to say it, tomato, tomato, whichever way you want to go with it. He'll tell you how to say it. And everything he writes and the way he writes it, it just seems to flow off his tongue. Just memorable. Any other fans of Max out there? You got any fans of Max? Yeah. This is an easy book to read. I mean, you could, you could read it through the whole thing in a couple of hours, but I would, I would advise you to take it piece by piece and let it soak in 
And don't just read it to complete it. Read it to actually understand it. To take it inside. And the way he opens this book is no exception. I'll be quoting from Matt. This is, this is it's out of his book. Um, you know, I have my own parts to play in this, but the main points of it I'm going to be giving you. And I give all the credit to Max for this sermon series. And at the same time, I'm writing my own stuff to go with it. And, but I'm following along with the book. Because I want us to be lockstep with learning this. And the thing is, hearing it one time isn't enough to be able to take it in. You're going to hear it. You're going to read about it. Hopefully come to a study about it. And maybe, just maybe, by the end of that, you might actually take it in 10% of what you've actually looked at. So he says, starting out, Hello, my name is Max, and I'm a recovering prayer wimp. When I pray, I think of a thousand things I need to do, and I forget the one thing I set out to do, which is pray. Those words could have been written by me just as easily as they were written by Max. Anybody else out there feel like that? Is that where you're at? Prayer does not come easily or naturally for me. It never has. It used to be, you know, years ago, and I've gotten better at it, but when someone comes to the office or I was in the hallway and someone's telling me about something about in their life that's not going right and they're, they're searching for answers, you know, a lot of times, you know, I would say, I would, you know, say like you do, I would say, I'll pray for you, and then they'd walk off, Right? And then maybe, maybe you remember to pray for them later on if you were at that place in that moment in time or you totally forgot about it that you'd even said you'd pray for that person. That's what happens. We don't get into that mode of praying. And he says some people excel in prayer. I love how he says they inhale, they inhale heaven and they exhale God. Think about that. They are the SEAL Team 6 of intercession. They are laser focused. They are tough. They are ready to go into it. And they know exactly how to pray and where to go and what to do. They would rather pray than sleep. And he says, why is it that I sleep when I pray? How many times have you prayed and, you know, you used to do it like, well, I'm going to fit this in before I go to bed tonight. This is the best time. It's when I'm dead tired, worn out from the day. I'm going to lay down. I'm going to be so focused on God. It's not going to make any difference that I am so worn out. And then five minutes later after you said, dear Lord, uh, uh, next thing you know, you're asleep. Happens to the best of us. You see, we all pray some. There's no doubt about that. 90% of the world prays. Surveys even say that one in five people who don't believe pray. Pray to what? To who? Prayer is something that almost becomes universal whether we actually do it or not. The the words are said all the time. It's said during the times of thoughts and prayers. Always thoughts and prayers put together about shootings or about natural disasters or whatever it might be, even by folks who don't pray. But wouldn't we all like to pray more? To pray better? To pray deeper? To pray stronger? 
I mean, I know that I want that. I want all those things. We want to pray, but when? We want to pray, but why? Those are two of the things that the kids are learning right now in their five things. What, when, why, where, and who, and how, and maybe there were six of those. I don't even know. I double one of those up. I don't know. They're learning right now. If you're a parent, you should be asking about prayer. This is a side note. You know, we're not here to just teach your kids and babysit them. These folks are working really hard to instill something in them that when they go home, you can ask about and talk about. See, you're in charge of teaching your kids about God and about how they live their life. We're just trying to supplement that, that by helping. So when Stephanie and the rest of their team and when Jared and his team put all this effort into the lessons and putting stuff out, it's up to us as parents to help those lessons be instilled at home as well as when they come here and everything is laid out for us. Prayer is odd. It's peculiar. We have our doubts about prayer sometimes. Max says there's a peculiar puzzle to prayer. We aren't the first one of Jesus' followers to struggle with prayer. All the disciples struggled with prayer. Now, we spent time looking at the Lord's Prayer before, but in Luke 11, you see that. Most especially, the disciples didn't know how to pray. And it's in Luke 11 that one of Jesus' disciples requests, Lord, teach us how to pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. So Jesus does. No one objected. No one ran away saying, you know what, I got it all figured out. No, it's okay, Jesus. I'm all right. I got that figured out. I know exactly how to pray. I don't need you to teach me how to pray. No one did that. Not all of them said they wanted help either. Some brave disciple wasn't willing to stand up and say, I don't even know what you're talking about. Will you please tell me how to pray? In fact, you know, the only guide they ever asked for, a how-to guide, the only how-to guide they ever asked for was about prayer. Nothing else. It was about prayer. That's how important it was. And Max says maybe they were interested because of what Jesus attached to the prayer. Because look at like Matthew 7, 7. It says this, And ask and it will be given to you. The ask part is prayer. How do we ask God? We pray. That's the only way you could. I mean, there's no other connection, you, you know. In Matthew 21, 22, if you believe, if you have faith in other translations, you will get anything you ask for in prayer. All these scriptures and more in the version event as you follow along. Jesus never attached that kind of power to anything else he said except for prayer. I mean, isn't that interesting? He didn't say, plan it and everything will be given unto you. He didn't say that. He said, ask, pray. Jesus gave stunning prayer promises, things that you could do if you had the faith of a mustard seed, if you prayed. 
If only my people would pray. And then Jesus said a, a prayer example for us that's compelling. That we just kind of seem to wash over sometimes. We don't really dig in deep into how much praying Jesus actually did. Look up Jesus in prayer sometime and see how many times he actually prayed in the scripture. I mean, think about all the times. Jesus prayed before he ate, do you? Well, I don't need to do that because that would just be a ritual and I shouldn't do that just because I should do that. Well, it does help a lot of times to make you more grateful and to think about where your food is coming from and to think about why you're at the table in the first place. So, yeah, I wouldn't knock off points because you didn't do it every time, but you really should in some way make an effort to include it before you start shoving down the food on your plate. Jesus did it every time he lifted it up. Gave thanks to his Father, to God, the Lord of the universe. He prayed for children. He prayed for the sick. He prayed with thanks. He prayed with tears. He's the Son of God, and yet he devotes himself to prayer. He's the Son of God. He devotes himself to prayer. Why would the Son of God need to devote himself to prayer when he has access to everything in the universe. He prayed in the desert. He prayed at the tomb. He prayed in the garden in his last moments. The last things that he did, he prayed. Even on the cross, he prayed. He's praying the prayer of Psalm 22. He prayed. And a verse I think is lost in all these things that Jesus did because it seems so mundane. Is This isn't only the first time, but in Mark one thirty-five, Mark 1, we're in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. He says, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. So at the very, very beginning of Mark, he prayed before he even got further into his ministry. Sometimes Jesus was gone the whole night praying like he did before he called his disciples. I think it's amazing the thing he did to choose who it was that was going to be one of his disciples was that he spent all night praying because the text says right after that it says he went out and called his disciples. That's how he discerned who would be his followers. He went up to pray after one of the hardest days in his life when he heard the news of the death of his cousin John the Baptist who was beheaded. He wanted to retreat and go away and thousands, 5,000 plus literally, followed him. And when they were still there after his teaching and healing, what did he do with them? He fed them. And before he fed them, what did he do? He prayed. And then he gave out the food that multiplied. And then after he told the crowd to leave, because I guess he had enough, and the disciples went aboard their boat, it says in Mark 6.46, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. 
And then even the disciples saw the power of his prayer as he walked towards them across the water in the steadfastness of the storm, empowered by the prayer that had settled his heart and put him in a place where he could be present with them. Why do you think he was so calm? Why do you think he was so able in his human form to be able to follow the path that he does? Because of his connection with God. That prayer centered him the same way that it does us. That it kept him on the same path the same way that it does us. I mean, Lord, teach us to pray like that. Teach us to find strength in prayer. To banish fear in prayer. To defy storms in prayer. Teach me to pray to God like that. That's our goal. For this whole month. To focus in prayer like that. See, Max says, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he gave them a prayer. Not a lecture on a prayer. He didn't give them a parable on prayer. He gave them a prayer. When you pray, pray like this, which we still now do today. The same exact sort of prayer. He gave them a quotable, repeatable, portable prayer. A prayer that you probably know backwards and forwards, at least forwards, not backwards. I'm not sure I could do it backwards. But forwards. Without anything around us be able to say the Lord's Prayer. Because it's ingrained in us. It's a part of who we are. Couldn't we use that same kind of prayer? For this day and time? Man, I know I could use that same kind of prayer. That's what's so great about this book. Is that that prayer that Max pulls together is so simplistic. It's so easy. It's the kind of prayer you look at and go, is this all it is? Is there not anything else? Why am I reading this whole book if this prayer is just right here and and it's in these two lines? He says the prayers of the Bible can be distilled down into one simple easy to understand and easy to memorize and carry around with you prayer. You ready to hear what it is? Here we go. Father, you are good. Say that with me. Father, you are good. I need help. Heal me and forgive me. They need help. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's it. That is the simple prayer that Max lays out in this entire book. And he says, let this prayer punctuate your days. I think I like Max because he likes alliteration. And we all know I like alliteration too. So he likes to use all those kind of phrases, to punctuate your day. He says, as you begin your morning, start off with, Father, you are good. As you commute to work or walk in the hallways at school, I need your help. Before you ever hit the door, you might be saying that. As you wait in the line at Kroger or Walmart 
Don't count the, the number of items in the cart in front of you that has more than 15 when the sign says 15 or less. Don't count those and they get really irritated because they're in the wrong line or how long you have to wait in line because there should be more cash registers open and why do they have these self-help things too? I don't like these things anymore. Where are the real people? Don't do any of that. Instead, pray. They need help. Every person around you that you can see, pray they need help. Help. That's it. The rest is a beginning and an ending, which are both important. And that thank you is so important. There's the gratitude in our God. How many times do you say thank you to God for anything? Keep this prayer in your pocket. We'll get there over the course of the month. We'll give you some tools to be able to do that. See, for most of us, prayer is not a month-long retreat or an hour-long meditation. That's not how it is for most of us. If we eke out that five or ten minutes, we're feeling pretty good, like we've done our part for the day. Or we might say things like, well, I pray all day. It's true. Maybe. If it's a continuous prayer that you actually stop and focus on, not just like, you know... I'm praying this day will be over. That's not really a prayer. But actually stop before you go inside. You know, like you, you know, there's, a, there's another book by John Ortberg that talks about this whole lifestyle of being in tune with God and being in prayer. It's called An Ordinary Day. And so he says, beginning of it, he says, before your feet even hit the floor out of the bed, you pray. It's just short. It's a short prayer. You just simply say, God, please help me this day to be the best person that I can be, to follow your ways, to help those around me, whatever else it is you want to say. 30 seconds before your feet ever hit the floor. And when you get out of bed, then when you start moving around, then you might stop and have another prayer over breakfast or as you gather things or while you're brushing your teeth or doing whatever in the shower or all those pieces. Prayer is a conversation with God and you might then leave the house and before you actually turn the car on and run out of the driveway and check the traffic, then you might just stop and say, Lord, please protect me and help those around me as we gather together to commute. Keep my heart where it needs to be and my mouth shut. And then you might get to work or to school or whatever else, and before you do, before you get out, then you might stop and say, okay, just prepare me for this day. Help me to learn, to understand, to hear, to have compassion, whatever else I might need. And then you might get in there in the midst of it, and maybe it's going through classes and that sort of thing, and maybe it's you know at work you're praying that that thing's not due or whatever else in the world. Then you go to lunch, and you actually say a prayer over your food and your thankfulness and the gratefulness prayer. Maybe you go through the rest of your day. In the mid-afternoon when you're trying to fall asleep, you might stop and, and pray instead. And then when you leave work or leave school, you might say a prayer. You understand how this goes? It's not one prayer. It's a whole series of prayers that continue on Again and again and again. Alex is absolutely not happy. There are some of the examples. And you have to cut through all the stuff in life that wants to get in the way. All the distractions. If you let distractions keep you from focusing in on God... 
you'll lose. Because there will always be distractions. There will always be one more thing to do. One more thing that comes up you're not prepared for. One more thing that happens in life that's not the way you want it to be. You have to cut through those things in order to stay in tune with God. And maybe this prayer can help you do that. Is the idea. We speak. God listens. God speaks. We listen. It's reciprocal. It goes back and forth in that same way. Sometimes we need to listen. Sometimes we need to speak. It's both. Sometimes we talk too much and we just shut up. And listen more. Sometimes we need to speak more about our hearts and let those things out so we don't carry around all the things that we do. That Max says is the pure prayer in its purest form. That God changes us in those kinds of moments. That's how it happens. Not at one, all at once, but bit by bit by bit. So maybe you and I and Max are prayer wimps. But we're recovering prayer wimps. We're always trying to get closer in our prayer life, bit by bit. I'm always trying to stretch that. I'm always trying to figure out how I can go a little bit deeper in that. That's how I found Pray As You Go. Pray As You Go is a devotional that I try to listen to every morning that comes from the Jesuits. I've mentioned it before. You can get it on your phone and put it in your headphones. And for 10 minutes, you can be focused in on Scripture and Lectio, Lectio Divina and, and going through that. And it helps. Prayer is not a privilege for the pious, he says. Prayer is the simple, heartfelt conversation between a parent and a child. That's the prayer. When folks come to my office now or in the hallway or somewhere else, I really try, and most time I do, remember to just stop and say, can I pray with you right now? It's awkward. It feels weird. I don't like doing that. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I just feel like people don't want to be, you know, but that's not the thing. The thing is, in that moment in time when someone shares something with you, is a time that somebody pulls them aside somewhere. I mean, you don't have to do it in the middle of everybody, but go say, can we pray over here? When your friends ask you for prayers and bring something up that's important, don't just say, I'll pray for you. Go and pray with them. Right then. So if someone brought enough to you to bring it up to you, that was important enough for them to share it's important enough for you to stop and to consider them right then. It doesn't have to be flowery. It doesn't have to be something that's long. You don't need the right words. It's just between the children of God and our parent. Which leads to the first line. If we have the pocket prayer, the first line begins with Father. Or more accurately... Daddy. I can tell you that being a daddy is one of the, the biggest joys and the biggest struggles of my life. Amen? It's incredible. It's a growth area. You're never really ready. 
And one of the things that, that this the, is the biggest thing is, is that, you know, Hannah knows me because she's not here today, so I don't have to embarrass her. She knows me as daddy, not father. We don't go around our house saying, Father, Father, oh, Father. Father's very formal in our language. Father is for religious people. Father is for someone who you're not close to. Father is a very different animal than Daddy is. I mean, I've been Daddy when Hannah has been very upset about something, and it's, oh, Daddy, and she comes to me, and she's crying, and she's upset. And it's just a hug that she needs. Daddy, when she struggles in school. Daddy, when she's having friendship issues. Daddy, when she's little. Even more so. And they're not too embarrassed to call you daddy, you know, out in public. And they write you the little cards like, I love you, daddy. And there are things on my wall that, you know, she writes down. My daddy's the best. Daddy is different. And I would give her anything in the world when she reaches out to me as daddy. That's a whole different thing. One of my clergy friends shocked me the first time that I actually heard him give a prayer before a meal because he said this. He said, good afternoon, daddy, when he prayed over the meal for this whole group of people. For us, that sounds like it's too informal. For God, I call God Daddy? That's strange. Well, Father, we pray over this meal and we thank you for this bountiful goodness. He said, good afternoon, Daddy, like he was a child talking to a parent. You see, in Matthew 6, 9, Jesus taught us to begin our prayers by saying, Our Father in heaven. But that's not really what he said. Because really what he said was, Abba. He said, Abba. And no, I don't mean the amazing 70s Swedish rock and disco group band, one of my favorites. Graylin, pay attention. Your mom's trying to show you something. You don't like Abba? Okay, stop. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. Don't. Please don't break. Oh, did you hear that? This side hear that over there? She doesn't know who Abba even is. If they hadn't remade the movie and made a big Broadway musical out of it, and two, two movies out of it, I might think about the fact is that, no. It's not that kind of Abba. Abba is the most personal form of father. It's the warmest in the Aramaic language. It's the way that my daughter talks to me. It's that personal. It's that intimate. That's what he's saying. Abba, daddy in heaven. You're talking to your daddy in heaven. Or parent. I'm not going to lose the fact is, is that if some of you have had a, a bad earthly father, then daddy may not work for you. God is both male and female and above beyond all of that. If you need to call heavenly parent or whatever else in the world needs to work for you, then that is totally fine because God can definitely take that. Don't let father and daddy images keep you away from God because we are all created by God 
And God contains both. But the good news for the prayer wimps who are afraid of mispraying is this. There's no right way to pray. I encounter this all the time. This understanding that we're mispraying. I didn't do it right. It didn't happen the way it was supposed to happen. We are exquisitely scared of not following what Max calls the etiquette or the dress code of prayer. That there's an etiquette of prayer. That there's a dress code. We have to be a certain way, look a certain way to be able to pray, right? Are we supposed to kneel or stand in prayer? Which one? Are you supposed to kneel or are you supposed to stand? Whatever. What, whatever. <laughs> Close our eyes, keep them open. What's the appropriate way to pray? Either, both. And the biggie, what if I say the wrong words? Oh, I hear this so many times. What if I say the wrong words? What if I say the wrong words? What if I say the wrong thing? Wednesday nights, I started this year making everybody else pray at dinner, making everybody else pray in my class. Oh, I I could never, I'll say the wrong thing. I, I don't know the right words. I don't know how to do it. What do you mean you don't know how to do it? You don't know how to open your, you know, open your mouth and be able to say, you know, over the blessing over the food. Thank you, God, for this food. Amen. That's enough. I was like, we've had folks that prayed longer prayers, people who prayed shorter prayers. We've had some really great prayers from a very different perspective. You see, our kids don't seem to have a problem praying. If you ask the kids to pray, they pretty much spark right up and they want to do it. And yeah, it doesn't come out the way that's supposed to sometimes. They forget the words. They don't get the right words. And yet we would think their prayers are perfect. Amen? Jesus thought so too. We often forget that he said in Matthew 18, 3, unless you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Become like little children. And how are little children... Joyful, playful, trusting, curious, excited, they're bold. Max says, forget greatness and seek littleness. Trust more, strut less. Make lots of requests and accept all the gifts. Come to God the way a child comes to daddy. And then in Matthew 6, 5, where I want to land for the rest of today, it really gives us some good direction on prayer. But many times this scripture is very misunderstood. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 5, when you pray, so when you pray, so obviously you're supposed to pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand in the synagogues and on the street corners and pray so people will see them. I tell you the truth, they already have their full reward. These words must have stunned Jesus' audience. They thought prayer was only done by important and special people. Well, just leaders love to be seen and heard. In the Hebrew world, God met with the priest in the temple behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies where they believed that God lived in a special apartment. People were simple. They were not special. They couldn't even go to those parts of the temple. But they could enter a closet. 
And that's why Jesus said the next line when he says this, When you pray, you should go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who cannot be seen. Your Father can see what is done in secret and he will reward you. That word room also means closet. And here is where I see most of us go off the rails in understanding prayer. Go into your room and close the door and pray in secret does not mean that you're not supposed to pray in public or pray out loud. We do not get that exemption from prayer anywhere in the Scripture. Max tells us that in the Palestinian culture, the room most likely to have a door in a house was a storage closet. It held the tools and the seeds and the farming supplies. A chicken might wander in and out of it. There was nothing holy in it. It was just a closet. But it was the one place they could go that was their own. It's not Cheryl's she shed. She shear? She shed. Or a new she shed either. She has a, she has a new she shed, but that's, that's the old one. Or your man cave. It's nothing special. It's nothing fancy. It's a closet in your house full of all that stuff you put in there because you don't want out when people come over. So you've shoved it behind a door and think it's lost. Some of you have a prayer room. Many of you have a prayer room after watching War Room. So a couple years ago, everybody had a prayer room, and so they have a place where they go and created that. We don't chat in the closet usually when company comes over, but apparently God likes to do that. Chat in the closet. And so Jesus is saying that prayers at home in your closet, this is what he's really trying to say. Prayers at home in your closet are as important as the prayers that happen by the priests in the Holy of Holies in the third section of the temple. That was not an exemption for you get to pray by yourself and only to yourself with God. He's saying that the prayers in your closet are as important as the ones at the altar rail at the church. That this place is no more special for prayer and connection to God than somewhere else. In fact, less is sometimes more, he says in verse 7. And when you pray, don't be like those people who don't know God. They continue saying things that mean nothing, thinking that God will hear them because of their many words. Don't be like them because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. I mean, Jesus is basically saying, don't go on and on like those who don't know God because they talk a lot. You ever been someplace where a prayer is just way too long and it should have ended about three times ago? There was like three good endings. It's like that should have ended right there. And it just goes on. Sometimes it's just too long. You have to try to incorporate everything under the sun into the prayer. See, Max says vocabulary and geography might impress people, but they don't impress God. There's no panel of angelic judges with scorecards held up, something like Dancing on the Stars, where everybody's got you know, a zero to a ten, right? Wow, that prayer was a ten. God will certainly hear you. You were such a good prayer. Or, um, wow, you scored a two with that prayer. You need to go back and do some more practice because that was not so good. We don't get style points, grammatical corrections, 
You ever had a hug from your son or daughter, grandparents from your grandchildren? They're amazing hugs. By the way, thank you to all the grandparents who are being involved in your kids' lives. That's an important part of kids and their growing up. I mean, some of those hugs are really bad, right? You've had a bad hug. It's a horrible hug from your grandkids or from your son or your daughter or niece or nephew or somebody. I mean, they don't do it right. They're too big. They're too small. They're too sloppy. They're too lazy. I mean, they're just bad hugs, right? No. You ever had a bad hug? You haven't. There are no mishugs. There are no misprayers as long as they both come from the heart. You can't pray wrong unless you're not really praying for the right reason. The words don't matter. Your heart does. Max says if prayer depends on us, then we are in trouble. But if the prayer power of prayer depends on the one who hears the prayer, and if the one who hears the prayer is my daddy, then I have hope. So stop apologizing for your prayers. People do this to me all the time. I'm sorry, I'm just not a good prayer. I just, you know, I, did, I really messed that prayer up. I really did. And I'm like, that was a great prayer. I don't have a PhD in prayer. Louise might, but I do not. Don't complicate it, try to explain it. Don't cover up your incoherent prayer moments. When you lose focus or lose track or you're pulling out loud and you have no idea where you're going to go, it happens to me all the time. I'm like, you've just gone down a circle where you have no idea how you're going to get back out of it. So you just keep moving words around until you finally find your way back to where you can finally get out of this prayer and say amen and go home. Climb into that space to be honest with God. Tell God everything that's on your heart or nothing at all. Sometimes we just need to be still. We just need to soak in God's presence and just sit in that lap and just, and just stay there and be held as the casting crown song goes. Sometimes daddy is all we can muster or can think of to say and that's enough. Sometimes we need a little bit of help and that's where that pocket prayer can come in and guide us. When you don't know what to pray or what to say, you can look at that pocket prayer. It's the power of a simple prayer. And so today, to close this off, I want to give you a gift that everybody's going to get, whether you buy a book or a study guide and all that or not. But this is actually the 40 days of simple prayers that can bring peace and rest. And I bought them for us to be able to have, for right now, one per family, if you would. I don't know how, many, how long they're going to last. I have 100 books, but I don't know how long they're going to last to do that. And then there's a challenge that goes along with that. Perhaps your prayer life could use a tune-up or it needs a full reboot, if that sounds overwhelming, then I'm asking you for a simpler plan to join with me. It's called the 4 by 4 Say 4 by 4 Make sure you're still with me. The 4 by 4 plan. No, that's not go out and buy yourself a 4 by 4 I know that's what you want to do, but no, that's not what it means. It means 4 minutes plus 4 weeks equals forever change. Every day for four weeks, for four minutes, focus on the core elements of prayer that are talked about in the pocket prayer. Here they are again. Father, you are good. Say that. I need help. They need help. Thank you. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. Try it out. Spend four minutes praying every day for four weeks. The challenge is simple and it can change your life forever because it will get you in the routine of saying a prayer at least. You can begin the challenge whenever you want, but I would encourage you to begin the challenge today to go along with our time gathered together and then beyond. It's time to discover the power of a simple prayer that can change your life forever. I challenge you to come along with me on this journey through the classes, through the book, through whatever means, and let's do this together. Let's focus on prayer over these next four weeks and let's see what God can do through it. Amen. At the Last Supper, before the meal, Jesus did what he always did. He took the bread and gave it to them and said, Go ahead, eat. I know you're all hungry. It's not what he did. He stopped. He gave thanks to God, the creator of the universe, and the traditional blessing. He broke the bread, and then he gave it to them. All bathed in prayer. And then he added the words, This is my body which is broken for you. And then do this in remembrance of me. To be in prayerful moments. Moments of remembrance of his life given for us. The fourth cup in the meal of redemption. Once again, prayers and blessings. Have you ever done the Seder meal with us, with Rick and, and I leading it? There are prayers all over the place. It's a praying kind of meal. Prayer is the focus before everything that happens along the journey of that meal and then the Israelite journey. No difference here. I prayed for the fruit of the vine from the God, the creator of the universe. My blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so remember to these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a living sacrifice in union. Christ's mystery. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. We feast at his heavenly banquet table later on in our life, the place prepared for us. And so as you come this morning, as we always talk about kneeling down and being involved in prayer, then consider what it is that God's speaking to you about your prayer life. Be honest about where your prayer life is, where you like it to go, and ask God, help me to get where it is that you want me to be. Daddy, I need your help. Daddy, show me the way. Daddy, help me, heal me, forgive me. Daddy, they need help. These are the things I hope will be in your hearts this morning as we come forward to receive. Let those who are serving come forward as we pray over these elements together.
Gracious God, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to remember the blessing you give to us and the sacrifice of your life. Pour into this bread and this juice. Make them be for us more than ordinary things, but extraordinary things given to us through your grace, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Bless them now and us who receive them. Let us be in your service, in your world. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. People of God said together, Amen. So be it. Somebody else? Okay. Come to the table and receive. <laughs> 